What's up, everybody? You are listening to episode one of the Bold City Bible Hour. I'm Kyle. And my name is Stuart. And this is exciting because it's the first episode, but it's also not the first episode we've recorded. I was about to ask you about that (laughs) because you said uh, the first and I was like, wait a minute. So here's the thing. We have recorded a few and with all of the different pandemic stuff, it just kind of, I've been doing a lot of other editing for church Mm -hmm. responsibilities. So we've got a couple in the pipeline, uh, two specifically that are going to be coming out in pretty quick succession after Mm -hmm. this one. But... In my personal and, and uh, I almost said professional, it's not really a thing, <laughs> yeah. professional Bible reading, that doesn't make that sense. That does not make any, hmm. In my personal <laughs> Bible reading and my prayer times, I've been reading through the book of Habakkuk. Nice. And praying about it, studying it, kind of not really studying it, like not into the weeds studying mm. it, but kind of like, you know, okay, in context, it. what's yeah. happening here, what's Habakkuk saying, what's God saying, that yeah. type of thing. And it just so happened that all of Habakkuk and everything has kind of coincided with different current events that have been happening in our world. Um, I mean, yeah, the pandemic, sure, applies because, (laughs) you know, it's a global pandemic of of disease that nobody has ever heard before, had before. Very true. And also a lot of people are dying and it's kind of gloomy. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, more specifically is everything that's kind of come out about a certain case in Georgia, just a couple yeah. hours north of here, actually. Yeah, it was not that far away from here when I found out about it. So, um, so it happened a couple months ago, but a video just came out. This guy mm-hmm. running down the street, and I mean, basically, he's he just gets shot down by a couple white guys. It's just a black guy jogging down the street. Yeah. And, you know, for whatever reason, he was jogging. Oh, his name is Ahmad Arbery, mm-hmm. Arbery, I think. Um so all th- this whole situation has kind of brought a lot of stuff back to the forefront because it was this black guy running down the street, mm-hmm. jogging down the street, you know, for whatever reason he was jogging. Yeah. And then he just gets run up on by basically an armed posse. It was so like if you're and, not familiar with the thing, the, it was this. Old um, ex-police officer, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, inve- he investigated for the DA or something. Yeah. And Him and his son were just in a truck driving, and then they see Ahmad running on the street and kind of like just trying to wave him down and run him off the road, basically, for whatever reason. And, and then, then they cut him off the cornered road. Cornered him between yeah. another guy and popped out with like a shotgun. And I was, you know... I saw the video. I didn't want to see the video, yeah. but at the same time, I was like, uh, kind of kind of got the, it. Yeah. yeah. And when I watched it, it just like you look at it and, you know, you hear stories about all the lynchings and stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what it felt like. That's to me. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's exactly what that felt like, man. I'm like, you know, this guy's jogging down the street and just a couple guys pop out with a gun and you know everyone's like oh he ran after him or he could have just run away but i i I like fight or flight you know if someone pops up on you with a gun you're gonna try to disarm them i think (laughs) yeah i feel like that's something i would try to do Mm because like okay i'm dead either way so i mean i'm either gonna let them just shoot me or i'm gonna go down fighting Yeah. yeah uh so you know that's a that's a thing but it's just the whole thing about race Mm -hmm. has it's been a huge i mean obviously it's been a very very big issue throughout american history um and like you know in the 90s and 2000s not a lot like sure whatever there were but it didn't really nothing really for whatever reason like me growing up i had well whenever i was younger like especially like in the 90s and stuff i dealt with my fair share of like racial issues and stuff right. it wasn't like as prominent as i is probably is now in my life because of you know me being a full-grown adult and right. back then i was only like what eight nine whatever it wasn't much of a like an issue for me at the time because i didn't see all of the stuff happening yeah. and, but and also I what you were saying naive, not, naivety to be expected to like well yeah i I guess you could say that we probably don't really understand everything that's being said around us yeah yeah and but but like for you know i still look at it the same way as like i didn't see much stuff happening back then as there is now 
And then plus social media is kind of yeah, allowing I think, a lot more things to come to light. So yeah, for sure. So in this episode, we're going to go through the book of Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. And I think Habakkuk deals very uniquely with the idea of justice and righteousness. Mm. And I mean, honestly, all of the minor prophets do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Habakkuk's response to the injustice he sees and a lot of the of uh, God's response to him mm-hmm. can inform our worldview today. And I think it's going to be solid. But first, I think it would be appropriate to take a few minutes and just kind of get your perspective on mm-hmm. everything that's happening around here. Because, I mean, I'm a white dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't understand what it's like to be in your shoes yeah. and you being a, a tall black guy with dreadlocks. So, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I don't get it. And I'm sure a good handful of people listening aren't going to understand, too. So, like, just yeah. just your perspective of what's happening as far as, you know, just the divisions we see and as, as far as everything that's going on. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a few minutes to kind of have your space. OK. And, and do that. So, like, I'm. I'm going to try to find like a good place to start with this. Um, maybe I'll share like a few stories of my own experiences of what's happened in my life. So I'll start with a specific story that like, I feel like really speaks volumes for uh, at least in my life of, you know, seeing the differences between, you know, uh, being a black person in America from being, you know, a white person in America or being just a person of color in America in general. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my older brother, Spencer, um, who's friends with me and, uh, well, obviously friends <laughs> with me, but friends with Kyle as well. Um, we uh, were, it was like his 16th or 17th birthday party, I want to say, back at my parents' place. And um, we were celebrating. We used to skateboard all the time. Right. Um, so we skated down to the local Winn-Dixie uh, grocery store for those of y'all that probably don't live in the south if you're listening <laughs> um, uh, it's you know right down the street from my parents house so we would just go down there every once in a while they had a huge open um, parking lot we go over there skate um, and this time we chose to go over there uh, just you know hang out with some of uh, his friends that he had for his birthday party and while we were over there um, there were two um, parked school buses just you know in the the parking lot for whatever reason and uh, they're normally there i guess because i guess that's where they they hold them mm-hmm. until the uh school uh week starts up again and uh so uh, we were just skating around doing nothing really uh and then two of my brother's friends who happened to be white uh one of them he back then he was a little like uh on edge all the time he decided to hop into the bus that was just there, you know, you can open up school bus doors um, like a little bit whenever they're parked, even if they're locked and stuff like that. It's just something that you can do in case right. you didn't know that. So he opened it up and squeezed himself inside of the the school bus, just, you know, being a typical teenager, screwing right, around. Because whatever. who among us has not gone into an abandoned school bus? There's a lot of it's just sitting in the parking lot. Yeah. Hmm. So. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> he, he hopped in the thing and. um then his uh, my brother's other friend named Kevin wound up just, you know, following him in there for whatever reason. I'm not sure why, but uh, uh, Kevin and Seth were they're both white and uh, they were in the, the bus doing whatever. Me and my rest of my uh, brother's friends weren't really paying any attention to that. We we're just like, oh, they're doing whatever. They're not really harming anybody or anything. Just being it's, weird white it's dudes, a, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a school bus. I mean, there's not really anything, you know, wrong with it. Apparently, there was a lady across the street. Um, or like along the the um, building wall where the Winn-Dixie was at, who saw them hop into the thing or whatever and decided to call the police on them for whatever reason. Like we weren't really doing anything. I guess she thought they were going to like steal the bus or something. <laughs> Why would we steal a school bus and what benefit? But I, I digress. Um, so we were, uh, you know, just skating, whatever. My brother's friend Nathan was like, hey that lady calling somebody on us like why is she looking you know pointing and has a phone and we're like i don't know whatever whatever's going on is weird uh and we just kept skating and then about five minutes passed a police officer rolls up on the scene and um immediately uh my friends um seth and kevin hop out of the uh the bus while the police officer's there and 
the, the officer sees the guys hopping out of the bus and doesn't go anywhere near them and mm-hmm. goes straight towards me, my older brother, uh, my brother's friend, uh, Nathan, who we're all three black. All three of us are black men. <laughs> we're like, we're or black kids because we were like, what? He's 17. So I was uh, 14 at the time. And I was like, I don't know. He just went straight at us and was like, hey, what are y'all doing around here? And we're like, oh, we're just skateboarding in the parking lot. And he was like, oh, were you back talking to me, sir? And we we're like, what? Oh, what no. is happening? So he just started, you know, escalating things. And my brother, uh, you know how he is. He's very cool, calm, collected. Even back then, you know, he had more of a temper back then. But he's he was still pretty. Yeah, he's real chill. Pretty uh, chill. And he's like, sir, you know, we're not doing anything wrong. We're just, you know, out here skateboarding. Uh, and then he's like, you need me to, I need you to lower your voice. And he wasn't screaming at him or anything hmm. and just started mouthing off or whatever at him. Started cussing at him, started cussing at me, started cussing at my friend Nathan and was like threatening to take us downtown. And he's like, I'm going to take you all downtown. Y'all do it. And we're like, what's going on? As my friends, uh, my brother's friends, uh, Kevin and Seth are walking, you know, by just watching everything happening. Right. And we're like, what's, what is happening right now? Why, why are we getting, you know, treated like this? We were just skating in the, in the parking lot doing nothing at all. Cars are all the way over there and there's a huge lot. So that, you know, that moment kind of, you know, really just, uh, thankfully, thank God the officer, you know, he just calmed down told us to get out of there. So we went back to my parents' house and, um, you know, stayed there the rest of the day. But, uh, you know, just the way he treated us and screamed and threatened us to take us to jail whenever we weren't doing anything was really right. Was really weird. So that kind of made me, you know, my before then, I didn't really have any uh, types of racial bias where I didn't notice it mm-hmm. in my life. And then from that point on, point on, I started looking and seeing things from a different lens of like, maybe people actually do look at me a different way. Because my elementary school was ro- uh, raised up in was mixture of white people, black people, Indian, uh, Asian, uh, just all different walks of life uh, from people from, straight from Africa. So I, I was just like, oh, we're all the same. You right. know, it was it was, it was great. I, lo- I used to love that place, man. It was great. <laughs> uh, but then coming from out of there, it just really opened my my eyes to a lot of stuff. Like I'm not the same as everybody. It's not it's not a bad thing to not be the same. Right. That's you know one of the blessings God's given us is to have differences. But it started making me see that. I can't do things that other people can. And some people can do things because of their, the color of their skin. And it's not, that's not right. You know, right. it shouldn't be like that. Uh, so that, you know, my perspective on this whole thing is that racism does still exist. It's never gone away. It probably is going to get even worse. <laughs> um, but that does not mean that God is not power, more powerful than it. And he can't, you know, uh, make things, you know, make something great out of a terrible situation. Like he always does. So, uh, right. Yeah. And actually we're going to learn a little bit more about that. That's a great, uh-huh. great little uh, segue there <laughs> because we're going to learn a little bit more about that and what God says about wicked rulers and wicked, wicked countries and mm-hmm. wicked nations. And, uh, he, he gets into that in Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, unless you've got anything to add, I think we can jump into it. Uh, no. All right. I don't really think I do. Yeah. So normally the idea is for these episodes to be uh, about 30 minutes, mm-hmm. but this is we're uh, about 15 minutes into it. So, <laughs> and also we're going to have a ton of Bible about to be read. We're, we're going to go through the whole book of Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple verses somewhere else, a couple chapters somewhere else. So we're going to dig into it and kind of like really, really see and understand kind of like how we can take what is in Habakkuk mm-hmm. and apply it not just to this single situation, but to the world at large mm-hmm. and what God promises and how we can take our laments and turn them into praise, which is a big theme in scripture, yeah. especially in the Psalms. And honestly, I just skipped down to like the bottom th- third of my page. That's right there on the <laughs> list. So I skipped a point. Let's go back and back start here. in the beginning of Habakkuk. For those of you who are listening, we're starting with Habakkuk 1.1. I'm reading from the NLT. Mm-hmm. All right. 
because I don't know. I just I like how it reads. NLT is it's a it's a good yeah. version, man. It's a it's a it's a nice it's got a nice flow to it. Okay, so here we go in Habakkuk one one. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. Okay, and then the next few verses we're gonna start, and then and then we'll got we got something. All right, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Okay, so... That's wow. intense. Wow. Right? That is super applicable to write. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. And then, you know, the first time I read this in the NLT, I made a, a short little joke. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Ooh. I was like, oh, Habakkuk had a Twitter account. <laughs> um, but or, anyways. Or <laughs> so this first, this is Habakkuk crying out. This is lament, mm. right? Habakkuk has seen issues. He's seen all these problems. And he is crying out to God and saying, how long do I have to call and you do not answer. Yeah. And he's, he's he's crying for justice. He's crying for righteousness. And those cries, I mean, they have echoed mm-hmm. through the ages. And we're still crying for justice and righteousness today. Yeah. Like we see things that happen like in this Maude Arbery, Arbery case. Mm-hmm. We see things that happen like, you know, all the different genocide that happens around the world. And all the, all the terrible rulers that we see around the world. And all the terrible people. Mm-hmm. That we see. And we're like, you know, justice and righteousness. Where is it? Why have they not come? And if, in fact, if you read through the minor prophets, mm-hmm. that's a big thing is the minor prophets are accusing Israel, accusing Judah, accusing Babylon, accusing Assyria yeah, yeah. of injustice and unrighteousness. And as you read through, I'm actually we're going to we're going to get a couple of Hebrew words here. Oh, all right. Uh-oh. So the first one is justice. All right. You see that word justice. It's the Hebrew word mishpat. And it's not just a concept. Right. It's not just the concept of blind justice. You yeah, know, yeah. it's not just a concept. It's concrete actions that you take to correct injustice. Mm-hmm. All right. So when we see injustice, it's not just you pointing out, oh, man, that's that's wrong. That's not justice. Mm-hmm. The justice it's speaking of is the actions that you take to fix that. Oh, right. Yeah. And, and yeah. then we have righteousness, which is not in this certain lament here. It's mm-hmm. not in this prayer complaint, but you see it in the minor prophets. And I think it really applies. Uh, and that's the word. Sedakah? I think that's how you say it. I don't know. My, I, I, I haven't had a Hebrew <laughs> class or anything. But that's righteousness, okay? So that is right, equitable relationships between people. Mm. All right? So if I'm treating you righteously, that means you and I have an equitable relationship where we're both treating each other yeah. with justice and with, pro- you know, just a proper relationship. Mm-hmm. Like when we think about righteousness in the grand scheme of things, it's a right, equitable relationship with God which we can only get through the blood of Jesus. Yeah. But as far as like horizontally, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's it, it can still apply. So in the minor prophets, you've got these, these prophets who are accusing Israel, accusing Judah of injustice and unrighteousness. And here Habakkuk, he's not accusing anybody in this book, mm-hmm. but he's crying out to God. And he's like basically pointing at God and saying, why is this happening? What are you doing? What are you going to do about it? You haven't spoken to me ever and all this type stuff, mm. which to me, <laughs> growing up, a lot of stuff that you hear was like, oh, no, you can't question God. Yeah, you know, you yeah, can't yeah. have strong. And boy, That's... Habakkuk is coming on strong there. So I read something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, this is tough. Yeah, this is man. tough. Habakkuk's like in the in his feelings <laughs> about this. That's right? so true, man. So he's crying out for justice and righteousness, just like we are today. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you see it in, in Romans, the world cries out, yeah. you know, because of evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So Habakkuk sees the evil going on around him, and he cries out to God. And then, here's the cool thing, God responds. Oh. And 
it's not in anger. God actually just answers his complaints because God is okay with you coming to him and lamenting and man. like legit throwing your pain and your suffering and your cares yes, into man. his lap. You remember um, Jeff Dossie from Trinity? Yeah. So I had a conversation with him back at school. I want to say in 2015, uh, mm-hmm. me, him and Spencer. And uh, he was like, man, if you ever get frustrated with, you know, with just life or frustrated with anything, voice that frustration to God. Oh, for like, sure. If you're fr- like, if you're frustrated with God, <laughs> voice that with him. It's like, it's not like he doesn't already know that you're frustrated with him. Right. Like, like you know, coming to him with this veiled sense of, oh, I am totally okay with like, no, because God sees your heart. Exactly. And God knows exactly. how you feel. So, so I mean, are you going to lie to him? Exactly. That's lying to God whenever <laughs> right. you're not being open and honest with him about that. So, so he, yeah, I'm sorry. You can No, it's fine. You can just, like, I mean, very seriously, you can approach God like this yeah. without sinning. Yeah. There is a way to do it and sin. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you can do it without sinning. We see it Habakkuk here. Yeah. David did it a lot in a bunch of Psalms. Yeah. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 77. That's a lament poem. Mm. All right. And then Job did it too. Like you read oh, Job. Job is and, the key person. I think. Yeah. And then you read Job and he's going like, he's just going in. Yeah. But it says, and all this Job sin not. Mm-hmm. So let's think there's, about There's that. a way to do that. So, so God replies, and he says, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if somebody told you about it, which gets taken out of context a lot because he's talking about raising up the Babylonians. Mm. But people use that as like, God's doing something in my life that's going to be awesome. Mm. But that's a different different thing. That's a different tangent. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, verse six, I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. Mm. Mm. So God sees Habakkuk's complaint and says, yeah, Israel's bad, right? Judah is bad, right? So since it's Babylon, it's Judah because Israel was Assyria. Anyways, Uh so God says, yes. And I am sending the Babylonians to judge Judah, to judge the, the people of Israel. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, listen to how terrible the Babylonians are. God's saying like all of this stuff. And he's talking. He's like, yeah, this is what's going to happen mm-hmm. to Judah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty intense because yeah. God's like, yeah, these guys just sweep people away with their chariots. Like they don't even care about your walls. They just, they just pile a bunch of dirt there and walk over them. Like in BD, there's a wall there. Whatevs, let's go. You know, that type thing. So yeah. it's it's pretty wild. So Habakkuk hears this response. And what does he do? How does he respond? Well, he has another complaint now. He's like, okay, hang on. So here's Habakkuk in verse 12. Oh, Lord, my God, my holy one, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish punish us for our many sins. All right. So, yeah, he's like, okay, the Babylonians are coming to punish us. That's yeah. fine. But then he says, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will mm. you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up on their hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets and burn incense in front of them. These nets are the gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquests? And then chapter two, going into it. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. 
There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. So Habakkuk, again. You're going in on the questions like again. Going, going, in, going hard on the questions. Yeah. All right. But then he comes up and he says, Babylon's terrible. Yeah. Like, what are, you, are we going to be wiped away? Mm-hmm. Are we, he says, basically, he says, he, he, he compares them to fish and yeah. Babylonians to fishermen because you cast the net out mm-hmm. and you grab up all the, all fish, the fish and you pull them in and mm-hmm. you're wiping all the fish out, yeah. right? Yeah. So he's like, are we, are we fish just to be caught up in their nets? And like, I mean, this is bold because God yeah. answered him and God was like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm going to do about the injustice you see. Yeah. And like his... Lament was answered, He's but then he was like, eh, "Hang on, <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, you're answering my question, but this is this is not what I expected, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right?" So he says, "You know, are they going to succeed in their heartless conquests?" He even tells God, "He's like, dude, mm-hmm. you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil." Yeah. So basically, he's like, "How are you going to use this evil nation exactly to accomplish something good?" Or how are you going to use this evil and it not be evil, basically? Yeah, like, yeah. how? what's up? You mm-hmm. know, tell me. And mm-hmm. then, to me, this is him kind of throwing a little bit of a tantrum right at the end in chapter two in the first verse. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to go up to my watchtower. <laughs> when he's like, I'm going to go up on my watchtower and stand at my guard post and I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he is going to answer my complaint. Yeah, he just sits there and like struggles, like, crosses his arms. like <laughs> Basically, he, he puts I'm on his it. let me speak to your manager face. Okay, Karen. And <laughs> like, he's like, I will sit here and wait until you answer, answer oh, me. Like, ba- like that's what, that's what he says, yeah. basically. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, it's it's just funny to me because he's, I mean, going crazy a little bit. And <laughs> so you were like, okay at first. Again, doing this. <laughs> again, when I was first reading this, I was like, oh, that makes that makes me a little uncomfortable. Because it's like, oh, can we talk to it? But yes, we yes, can, yes. you know? All right. So, God, in his grace and mercy, mm-hmm. again, answers Habakkuk. And this second chapter is the chapter that I think will... Uh, we can take and we can apply it to what's happening today. Mm-hmm. What's ha- what was happening 150 years ago? Yeah. What's happening 300 years ago? What's happening in the future? All right. Because at the beginning, uh, this is what God says. All right. And in verse two of chapter two, then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. All right. So here we go. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. And uh, well, you know what? We're just going to read it. All right. So let's go. All right. Verse four. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treacherous, and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave, and like death, they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many peoples. Now, you're talking about the Babylonians here. Yeah. But soon, their captives will taunt them. They will mock them, saying, What sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You've become rich by extortion, but how much longer can this go on? Suddenly your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have while you stand trembling and helpless. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will plunder you. Mm. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What sorrow awaits you who build big houses with money gained dishonestly? You believe your wealth will buy security, putting your family's nest beyond the reach of danger. But by the murders you committed, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. The very stones in the walls cry out against you, and the beams in the ceilings echo the complaint. What sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption? Has not the Lord of Heaven's armies promised that the wealth of nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard, but all in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. What sorrow awaits you who make your neighbors drunk? You force your cup on them so you can gloat over their shameful nakedness. 
But soon it will be your turn to be disgraced. Come, drink, and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment, and all your glory will be turned to shame. You cut down the forests of Lebanon, now you will be cut down. You destroyed the wild animals, so now their terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What good is an idol carved by man or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation, a God that can't even talk. What sorrow awaits you who say to wooden idols, wake up and save us. To speechless stone images, you say, rise up and teach us. Can an idol tell you what to do? They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. So this is God responding. Yeah. It's, it's God given basically a little narrative of how the Babylonians have built up their wealth by uh, treachery and by um, just doing the wrong. Basically, this is, uh, I think it can be equated to people who loan money but have ridiculous interest yeah. interest rates the mm-hmm. the the bankers of the day that were doing that just like stacking up over the years yeah so basically the people that you put in debt can never get out of debt because the interest rates are so high yeah <coughs> student loans <coughs> um, <laughs> and then right okay <laughs> but then he says like they've gathered up many nations swallowed many people but then but soon their captives will taunt them all right, and then it goes through, and all these all these poems that start with "What sorrow awaits you." Mm-hmm. Uh, another version, other versions, I think, have "Woe to the woe to you who have this," or "Woe mm-hmm. unto you," or whatever. But I mean, houses. who build big houses with money gained dishonestly? Honestly, that's the interest charges. Yeah. Uh, build cities with money gained through murder and corruption, like all of the stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and. He's not at this point just talking about Babylon, all right? Because I mean, we see he says this is going to be like a future yeah. Vision. This vision is for a future time, yeah. and sure, yeah, it applies to Babylon, but not just Babylon. Mm-hmm. It applies to every Babylon since then. Yeah, because as we see in the Bible, Babylon is used not just as the nation yeah, of Babylon. Yeah. It is used as a representative of the evil world, of yeah. evil nations, basically. Uh, God says here in this in this chapter, like, yeah, you know, Babylon's going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And God will use evil nations to work his will. Yeah. And God will use th- these corrupt nations to do that. But here's the thing. God's use... Does not equal God's endorsement. Ooh. Right? So he is going to use Babylon to work his will and work his punishment on Judah, on mm-hmm. Israel. But then another nation is going to come by, another evil nation, another Babylon, and is going to work their punishment. In yeah. this case, it was Persia. God is going to work through them to punish Babylon for their evil deeds. Yeah. And then somebody's going to come along and defeat Persia. And God is going to use that evil nation to punish Persia for their evil deeds. And time and time again throughout history, it's just this cycle of an evil nation conquering another one. Because God was using them to judge and to punish for the evil deeds. For, uh, you know, the disrespect and for the injustice and the unrighteousness. And uh, the in verse fifteen, the ones who are uh, the leaders who are getting drunk all the time and abdicating their duties, basically, uh, the idol worship, yeah. all right, worshiping something other than God, worshiping literally anything other than God. It does not have to be a wood or a stone image. It could be just an idealism, or a, right, yeah, just a way. It of can life. be. It can be you know humanity as a whole. You know, with the whole humanism thing. Oh, yeah. And it could be sleep. It could be whatever. Video game. You know, Anything and everything that you put above God is considered an idol. Yeah. There's a great song, by the way, about idols. It's called Clear the Stage by Jimmy Needham. You guys need to listen to it. All right. It's wonderful. So basically, God is using this cycle to judge not only Habakkuk's Babylon, but every Babylon to follow. You know, we hear 
of all of the injustice that happens, not just in the United States, but around the world. And we hear about all the unrighteousness and all the evil. And we're like, what is going on? And the thing is, we are living in Babylon. Like, Mm. you know, the United States, Babylon. United States is like a clear. So like whenever it's talking about, I want to say in verse, uh, what was the last verse you had read about um, 12 or 13? Talking about like, uh, woe to him. Well, I'm reading from ESV, so it's going to sound different. It says, woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. Uh, You pour out your wrath and make them drunk uh, in order to gaze at their nakedness. Like, and just other, you know, similarities that, you know, you see from, you know, scriptures that you look at America. You look at, you see a lot of stuff like, man, we're doing this to people. Like, we're like forcing them to do certain things because we want to like either make a mockery of them or we are... Uh, um, like so pent up on our own strength. Like I feel like America's idol is having strength and having this like fear me type mentality. Oh yeah, of, for sure. Uh, like that don't tread on me mindset. What a, what well, are I think you, I mean, you just mentioned it. They are deeply guilty for their own strength as their God. It, that right there is what, what verse was that? Uh, that's chapter one, verse 11. That, yeah, that whenever we read that in, uh, Previously, I was like, that sounds 100% like what I have experienced from hand to hand, you know, or hand to hand, like face to face with uh, people that I, I meet in um, America who are like, they're all about just like, uh, I, I'm all for, you know, being patriotic and stuff like that right. and loving your country. But you have to realize that your country is faulty and it has like, yeah, all of that and wrong with it, you know. God has used America. Like we can't, we can't ignore that. I mean, the missions work that has come out of America has been amazing. God has used America to punish wicked rulers as well. But like I said, God's use does not equal God's endorsement. Yep. And that's just one of those things where we see stuff like this happens with the Maude Arbery, with all the other hashtags that we see with all these, with Mm -hmm. all the different injustice and all that. It's just, we see this happening and something deep inside our hearts cries out. Yeah. And a lot of people can't put that cry to words, mm-hmm. but we have those words right here at the beginning of Habakkuk, I think. Yeah. And those words just, I think they express the injustice we feel and the, just the lament and, and the pain that we feel when mm-hmm. we see these things happening, when we see the injustice around the world, um, just, everything we see that and i think habakkuk words it perfectly mm-hmm. for us and you know honestly we poke at america we don't poke at america but we're like we point out yeah. america but there's everywhere all around the world there's babylons <sighs> like i think 100 honestly at this point in my life i think america is very it's not great right (laughs) like it's very babylon type right yeah but it's just it's it doesn't all it doesn't just apply to our country yeah it applies to like you see you see it happening all around the world yeah so you know with the injustice and with everything you see in the states and throughout the world Mm -hmm. we in my mind and honestly i don't know if this is the proper way to apply the Bible. Mm. But to me, in a lot of the minor prophets, because the minor prophets are all about accusing Israel and Judah of their sins and what they're doing wrong and why God does not like it and what is going to happen to them. I see a lot of the United States in the old kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Mm. And, Yeah, you know, I get it. The kingdoms of Israel and Judah were held to a different standard because God had, like, literally called them out and they were chosen by God. And, you know, there's the whole thing with the church now that, you know, the church has been been chosen Mm -hmm. by God. America hasn't. You know, it's not like America is God's chosen people. Yeah. Um, Some people think it is. Right. (laughs) But so, I like, I know there's not really the parallels, but when you read through the Minor Prophets... And you see the things that are going on in Israel and Judah that just grieved God and grieved the righteous people. Yeah. I think we can draw a lot of parallels between what was happening then and what's happening with us now. 
But we see that God does not let the wicked go unpunished. That's in Exodus, right? When yeah. God is, uh, I, I don't think he was singing, but it's a poem for sure. It's a Hebrew poem in Exodus when he when he walks by uh, Moses and puts his hand over so Moses can't see his face. Okay. Um, when yeah. he says, the Lord, the Lord, mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so God says, you know, he won't let the wicked go unpunished, which that comes up time and time again in the Old Testament, by yeah. the way, and the New. Uh, so, you know, we know that we serve a righteous and just God. It's just we're, we're crying out because we see all the unrighteousness and injustice around us. Okay, so let's look at really quick back at verse three. Right, right at the end of it. Okay, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. That phrase, it will not be delayed. Ju- God's judgment on all of these Babylons, it, it comes at, at, at just the right time. Yeah. Like not a moment too soon, not a moment too late. All right. Because God, again, is sovereign and yeah. in control and his plan, his speaking is doing and everything. So he judges these countries, these nations at the right time. Yeah. It will not be delayed. Nothing's going to hold God up. Yeah. All right. God's judgment's coming and nothing's going to stop. And it's always on time. There's right. This, there's this old uh, hymn from a uh, church I used to go to. Uh, it's not a hymn. It was like just a, a song, I guess we could sing. It's like, God is an on time God. Ooh, it just, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> all, it's, it's very accurate in everything because every time God does anything in anyone's life, it is the perfect timing. Never too late, never too soon. It's always always the right time yeah and you know we see that in in romans we're at the right time god yes. christ died for the ungodly mm-hmm. and everything it's it's it, that's a theme throughout the bible where mm-hmm. at the right time god, god does what he does yes yes okay so that's why wait patiently it will not be delayed mm-hmm. like that's just a word of from god straight yeah, from god straight to from the back yeah. he says listen it's gonna be tough and it's gonna seem like it's taking a while but wait patiently because it, it will not be delayed. Yeah. So God does all of this and says all of this. And Habakkuk is just awestruck by the mm-hmm. power of God and just by everything that he hears. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in chapter three, he prays. Yeah. All right. And this prayer is actually used as a song as well. Okay. I mean, it says, you know, in the NLT, it says this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk mm-hmm. um, at the end of the chapter. I think you might have something. But it says, for the choir director, this prayer is to be accompanied by stringed instruments. So basically, the I mean, the Jews would use uh, poems and stuff from Scripture as songs yeah. and everything, which we do a lot today anyways. It's true. So Habakkuk prayed, and here is what he said. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. Mm. I see the people of Kushan in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. And Kushan and Midian were, were nations that like did a number on the Israelites back in, yeah, back in the day. Yeah. So he's pointing so them he's out. So like, he's pointing them out and he's like, <laughs> they are scared. Right? <laughs> Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your chosen people to save your anointed ones. You crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. 
You trampled the sea with your horses and the mighty waters piled high. So I'm going to chill here because the the last part of Habakkuk 3 is pretty awesome. But Habakkuk is like, I mean, like I said, he's awestruck by God's power. Yeah. And he just, he talks about all the things that he sees. Uh, I don't 100% know because, like I said, I haven't done a deep study on this. Like, I don't know if he's like seeing ahead or seeing behind as far as like, what he sees when he says, um, I see God moving across the deserts from Edom and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's like either he's looking back to where God has delivered Israel, which I think, you know, when he struck the waters and parted the sea, that sounds yeah, like the Red sounds Sea. sounds like the Red Sea or Jordan. Right. And, you know, or if he's looking ahead to all of the mm-hmm. all of the nations that God is going to uh, judge. But, I mean, it is, it is not pretty. Yeah, right? Man. It is a just destruction and freaking, desolation what is it said their skin will be ripped from their bones or something yeah, like that yeah, I was like, stripped Yo. their bones from head to toe That's after he crushes crazy. the heads of the wicked okay <laughs> so just just god will lay waste yeah to evil to the wicked ones all right so let's pick it back up in verse 16 i trembled inside when i heard this my lips quivered with fear my legs gave way beneath me and i shook in terror I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Can I say something real quick? Absolutely. The parallel between this that last part of verse 16 where it says, uh, I will wait uh, for the tr- day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Mm-hmm. And then the parallel from the other mm-hmm. chapter. Of, where uh, God said, wait patiently. And then also like how verse two or chapter two, the beginning of chapter two, whenever he says, I'm going to sit up here and wait to hear God. Right. The complete turnaround right there is just like, wow. Yeah. Where he's throwing, basically throwing a tantrum and saying, I'm going to wait for you to answer me. Yeah. Now he's like, now he's like, I'm going to wait for you to deliver me. (laughs) Right. That is so cool, man. Okay. So even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Listen, this is not talking about random times of trouble. Yeah. Right? This is complete and utter desolation. Right? The fig trees have no blossoms. Mm. No food from the trees. No grapes on the vines. Mm -hmm. No olive crops. All right? The fields are empty and barren. The flocks are dead in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Listen, Israel's... Like whole economy is gone. was based on sheep mm. and olive oil and wine and figs and all of this stuff. So yeah. basically, like Habakkuk's like, listen, if everything that is important for the survival of Israel mm. is gone, all right, it's it's not just some random like, oh, if we have a famine for a couple years, like it is complete and utter it's destruction. All gone. Here we go. So he says, even though all these those things are happening, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Mm. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. And I want to look more at the transition that you picked up on, which yes. I'm really excited about. It's awesome, man. Because <laughs> like I said earlier, you can start with lament, mm-hmm. right? You can bury your feelings, bury your soul to God, you know, pour out your pain, your suffering, your cares, yeah. your anxieties, all of this. But as you are doing that, your uh, God's response to your prayers, not like, mm-hmm. obviously we're not going to have a response like this from God, right? Where <laughs> God is like, listen, of, this is what's happening. Yeah. But as you pray, And as you take your petitions, as you take your complaints to God, God will take that Mm -hmm. and you are laying, you're casting your cares on him because he cares for you, right? Yeah. So God takes that and through the Holy Spirit now, not through explicit words and verbs like that, Mm -hmm. but he will take that and he will turn your lament. Okay. So at the beginning of the book, Habakkuk is like crying out. Yeah. And he's like, God, you have not answered me. Where are you? I've called out to you and you don't answer. All right. Which is another theme with David that does that a lot in the Psalms. Of course. He, he's like the number one person <laughs> right. that does that. <laughs> uh, so 
He takes Habakkuk's lament, the first few verses, and then you look at the last few verses of Habakkuk. Mm -hmm. And he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. So Habakkuk's lament has been turned into into praise. praise. All right, and you caught you caught on to it too with mm-hmm. the I will wait yeah. in the watchtower for you to answer my plea, and then, yeah, and then he man. turns around and he says, "What is it? Where is it? Oh gosh!" End of verse sixteen. Yeah, I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. So, man, like that's what happens yeah, when man. you present your feelings, when you present your laments to God. God takes your lament, and He cares. Yeah, man. He he cares for you. He takes you, carries you through your issues, through your laments, right? Yeah. Um, Psalm 23. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yep. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. Yeah. Right? So he takes he takes our pain and our suffering and he turns that into praise. Even though we see in chapter three, we see like God's serious. Dead like, serious. It's serious business what God's going to do to the people who are causing pain yeah. and suffering and injustice and unrighteousness. But we take he takes that lament and he turns it into praise. And we, we that's what happens when we pray and we take stuff to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So here's where we're going to go into the future. Right? Future. So here we go. Remember in chapter 2, verse 3, where it says this vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. Oh, really? Oh, yes. What does that mean? Well, there's a book in the Bible that describes the end. Hmm. You don't say. Yeah. And uh, if you don't know, that's called Revelation. Oh. It is the revelation of John. And we are going to go to chapter 18. And listen, we're almost an hour into this episode. And we're just going to keep going. This thing's going to be like an hour and 20 minutes long. It's nice. going to be extra long, folks. Okay? Don't extra worry. Extra long. You're not, gonna, not normally going to be this long. Chapter 18 Jeez. in Revelation. Do you have a little a little heading above the chapter? The fall of Babylon. Wow. Oh. What, 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 what did what'd you say oh, there? Wow. What? Say that again? The the, the fall of, uh, of who? Of Babylon. Of Babylon. Huh. Weird. Comparison. But I thought Weird. Babylon... Way back in the Old Testament was taken care of by Persia. Oh, you're saying this is like the future Babylons and the representative of evil nations Babylon. Wow. Okay. So here we go. John is talking. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority. And the earth grew bright with his splendor. So here's how I imagine this. Mm. You know the superhero drop? Where they always land on one knee with their fist with the on the fist ground. the ground, yeah. That's Cap- how I, he America. came down from heaven with great authority, right? Like, I just, yeah, a superhero. <laughs> Anyways, so he gave a mighty shout. Here's the angel. He's, he's singing a little song, speaking a poem, whatever you want to say. Mm. Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit. A hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal. Hmm. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her because of her desires for extravagant luxury. The merchants of the world have grown rich. Okay. Babylon has fallen, right? That's crazy. Pretty wild. But then there's more voices calling from heaven. Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others, so brew twice as much for her. She glorified herself and lived in luxury, so match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am queen on my throne. I am no helpless widow, and I have no reason to mourn. Mm. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. Mm. All right, so then the rest of chapter 18 is uh, just the different people in Babylon Mm -hmm. who have profited from the evil. Oh, singing so like the, the rulers, right? The the, the kings, yeah. the merchants, the shipbuilders, all of these people 
singing about how terrible the destruction of Babylon is. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, So here's, so they will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, God's judgment came on you. All right. So then the merchants are talking now in verse 14. Fancy things you love so much are gone. All your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. All right. And then they, the merchants who became wealthy by selling things at a mm-hmm. stand at a distance, they will weep and cry. It's basically, it's the same poem over and over again, but sung from different perspectives, right? Yeah. So how terrible, how terrible for that great city. She was clothed in finest purple, scarlet linens. Basically each group of people speak from their perspective. Yeah. In a single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone. Then the captains of the merchant ships, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. Ship owners by, became wealthy by transporting her great wealth on the seas. And in a single moment, it is all gone. Rejoice over her fate, O heaven and people of God and apostles and prophets. For at last, God has judged her for your sakes. Mm. All right. Then it's... I don't know why this makes me laugh, right? Uh, Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. Kind of random. He threw it into the ocean. Okay. And shouted, right? So here's just picture. Picture a huge boulder, right? What? Yeah. This angel picks it up and throws it into the ocean. What is that going to look like? Just this humongous splash. Things going crazy. Just wild. Like total, basically like total destruction, you know? So just like this, the great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. Oh, this is, listen, this poem here in, at the end of chapter 18 Mm -hmm. in the NLT. Ooh, buddy. It flows really well. Oh, it's great. Listen, listen to it. Just like this, the great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. The sound of harps, singers, flutes, and trumpets will never be heard in you again. Mm. No craftsmen and no trades will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. The fall of Babylon is huge. That's like, I love how it's diving deeper into like the cries of all of those different walks of life. Mm -hmm. And it's showing like, okay, uh, the sound of the mill representing uh, like people's work ethic in their like hard work and like putting into thing like that will never be heard again, which means you'll never profit off of that again. Right. Uh, you know, it is all of that. It is complete and utter judgment and destruction, desolation and desolation of people and nations who do the opposite. Mm-hmm. They, well, they don't do the opposite. They do what is basically God is meeting out double what they, what they have people. done, what Babylon mm-hmm. has done throughout the ages to, just and righteous people. Yeah. So in chapter 19, right? Songs of victory in heaven. Ooh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Ooh, man. Listen, these last few chapters of the Bible, they give me hype, right? I'm like, like I'm going to start doing a little hop here and then I'm going to break out my handkerchief and like do the old like... Get the tambourine out. Do, do like the old, uh, the old country preacher and God ha, ran into the desert. Ha, that type of thing. And he said, I right, I might, I might have to get the H.B. Charles <laughs> sing at the end of the sermon type oh, thing. Oh, H.B. Charles, God bless you. That guy's the man. He's All right, awesome. so here we go. <laughs> After this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute, Babylon, that's who that is, yep. who corrupted the earth with her immortality, immorality, not immortality. He has avenged the murder of his servants. And again, their voices rang out, praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God who was sitting on the throne. And they cried out, amen, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
And from the throne came a voice that said, Praise our God, all his servants, all who fear him from the least to the greatest. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. So basically, there's a lot of people people. that are going to be hyped up and praising God, right? (laughs) Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. Oh, man, the praise is intense Mm. because finally, finally, Babylon has been destroyed. Mm -hmm. Babylon has been brought down. Injustice and unrighteousness have been brought to judgment forever, right? Mm -hmm. So then we're going to skip to chapter 21. The new Jerusalem, right? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now, man, I'm going to be, I got to be here for it. I'm going to get like real, real like crying type here. Mm. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe Mm -hmm. every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. I get so emotional when I read that, man. Yeah, man. Like, man. Okay. And the one sitting (laughs) on the throne said, like, this is God, right? The one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, he said, John, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Mm. Man. Like, think about that. Mm. There is coming a day where all of the injustice, all of the pain, all of the sorrow. I mean, it says right here, death, sorrow, crying, pain, all of these things are gone forever. Forever. And God is dwelling with his people. Man, I'm getting, oh, buddy. All right. God is dwelling with his people. And like, it it makes you, reading through this, it Mm. makes you yearn for that. Yeah. Like, we want the sorrow and the pain. And the All injustice the and the unrighteousness to be done. Yeah. Like we, we don't like, nobody likes it. Nobody is over here saying, I wouldn't want this stuff to stay on earth. Like, yes, yeah. even like even non-Christians, even atheists yeah. and people who are not religious at all are like, we don't like that. Mm-hmm. So we are yearning and crying out for the end of yeah. all of this. And it, it happens here in Revelation and mm-hmm. it will happen in the end. But yeah. What is it? What is it that God says in Habakkuk chapter two? This vision is for a future time. <laughs> it describes the end and yeah. it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. Yeah. For it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Mm. We groan in our current world, right? We groan with the situation of Ahmad Arbery. Yeah. And we groan with people who are treated differently just because they have more melanin in their skin. Yeah, yeah. And we groan when we see nations of people who are just wiped out by the evil deeds of a single man. And all of this, we groan, we cry out in pain because we see this, but God is returning to restore everything unto himself. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, Babylon will be destroyed Tears yeah. will be wiped from our eyes and we will rule and reign with God forever and ever. Amen, dude. So Amos 5.24. Famous Amos? Famous Amos 5.24. So this is at the end of God speaking to Amos, talking about how he's going to judge Israel. Yeah. And he says all of this stuff. And then he says, but... Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. 
Mm. So basically, he's like, listen, all this stuff is going to happen, but still, do justice. Yes. And do righteousness. All right. So I'm going to actually just end this episode with the last words that we see in the Bible. (laughs) Because I think they're they're beautiful. And I really think they they sum up our prayer and our desire just just perfectly, right? All right. All right. So Revelation 22, verse 20. He who is the faithful witness to all of these things says, yes, mm-hmm. I am coming soon. And then John throws in a little, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. <laughs>